but it's not enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riot. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without at the same time condemning the contingent and intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. That's an expert from The Other America, March 14th, 1965, from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I am your host, Darrell McLean. So I made sure that tonight I quoted the Dr. Martin Luther King because if you are unaware, there was a eruption uh, protest in Minneapolis. The governor actually had to call in the National Guard after stores were set on fire are right during the protests following Mr. Floyd's death in police custody. Prosecutors said that they had not decided whether to charge any of the four Minneapolis police officers, including the one who knelt on George Floyd's neck shortly before he died. Now, Governor Tim Watts activated the Minnesota National Guard on Thursday in anticipation of a third night of protests after George Floyd's death in Minneapolis police custody. The governor also declared a state of emergency in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and surrounding communities. The governor said he supported peaceful demonstration, but that the destruction on Wednesday night into Thursday morning warranted further action to keep the peace. During the protest, the police fired tear gas and rubber bullets as people set buildings on fire and looted stores, which was predictable. This man was killed by agents of the state because they responded to a alleged forgery. So you have to let that sink in. Somebody called the police because a forgery was possibly happening, possibly, and because of that, someone is dead, and a town, a city, is on the brink of destruction. And the first thing that people did was the thing that people do when they're outraged at a system who... It seems that time and time again, we hear about instances of police brutality. The video is five minutes long. You see the Mr. George Floyd handcuffed. You see him on his stomach. You see one police officer with his knee around the back of his neck. And when you zoom to the other side, you see three other police officers also holding him down. This is something that we see over and over, and it is outrageous every time we see it, but yet nothing has happened to stop the tide of what is police violence and police overreaction and death by cop 
especially when it is involving people of color. So now that the people in the community no longer have any trust in the police force, they are burning things down and doing what a, a person who is outraged does, which is riot, loot, steal, burn, fight. And they have, it, it, is, a, it is a natural reaction to a form of grief. Anybody that's ever seen grief in their lives know some people break things. You cry, you fight. And this is going to keep happening if the inadequacies in the system are not brought to the forefront and changed immediately. The governor, of course, said he supported peaceful demonstrations, but that the destruction on Wednesday night to Thursday night put him at pause. But as the community has shown that it was the taking of a life of a person who was in police custody on the ground in handcuffs, that seems to be the more egregious act. In his statement, the governor said, unfortunately, some individuals have engaged in unlawful and dangerous activity, including arson, rioting, looting, and damaging public property, uh, public and private property. And that is all true. What I do want to point out, which is something glaring, everything that was taken in eluding, everything that was damaged in property damage can be rebuilt. Everything that is damaged in private property can be rebuilt. George Flood will still be dead. Now, police around the nation and law enforcement experts on Thursday broadly condemn the way the, uh, George Floyd died in Minneapolis in police custody. Deeply disturbing video shot by bystanders shows Floyd handcuffed, laying on his stomach and seemingly subdued as the officers tried to arrest him, pressed his knee down on Floyd's neck for nearly eight minutes. Some police officers and experts said equally shocking was something not seen in the video. Other officers on the scene apparently did not intervene even as Flood repeatedly cried out that he couldn't breathe and moaned in pain. Any officer who abuses their power or stands by and allows it to happen does not deserve to wear a badge, said Chicago Police Superintendent David O. Brown. Floyd, 46, was arrested Monday after an employee at a grocery store called the police to accuse him of trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill. The cell phone video shows Floyd, who is black, face down on the ground with his hands cuffed behind his back, and Officer Derek Coven, C-H-A-U-V-I-N, who is white, used his knee as a restraint on his neck. Floyd had his turned on the side and does not appear to be resisting. As minutes tick by, the Chauvin continues to hold him down. Floyd complains about not being able to breathe. Stop as he falls silent and motionless. Toward the end of the video, as paramedics arise, lift up a limp Floyd onto a stretcher 
and placed him in an ambulance. He wasn't actively resisting and he was saying he couldn't breathe, said Charles P. Stevenson, a former police officer and FBI agent with expertise in the use of force tactics. You have to understand the possibility is there that Floyd couldn't breathe and you release any kind of restriction you might have on an airway immediately. Now, that is the standard operation procedure. I was a military police officer in the United States Navy. I did it for seven years and we were taught that you can escalate force and you can de-escalate force. If Mr. Floyd hypothetically was out of control before the video started, we have eight minutes of video where he was very compliant and the officers still fully engaged him until he died. So here we go again with this. So I don't want to harp on this a long time, even though it is something that has burned down southern Minneapolis. Um, if you got to look at some of the pictures this morning, unfortunately, it looked like a war zone. And that is the crying voice of a community who feels as if they have no other recourse left to them. I started off the show with a Martin Luther King quote about rioting, and I'm going to end this segment with one that says virtually the same thing. As I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it in America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justices have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. That was a quote from the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So what was the president doing today while Minneapolis was burning? Angered by Twitter moves to fact check him. President Trump signed a executive order cracking down on social media sites. It's unclear if it's actually enforceable. President Trump, who built his political career on the power of flamethrowing on his Twitter account, has now gone to war with Twitter angered that it would presume to fact check his messages, but the punishment he is threatening could force social media companies to crack down even more on customers just like President Trump. China has officially expanded its power to quash unrest in Hong Kong, pointing to possible crackdowns. A new law is expected to take effect by September. China's legislator on Thursday approved a plan to suppress subversion succession, terrorism, and seemingly any acts that might threaten national security in the Sentai anonymous city of Hong Kong. So I guess that also will mean that the U.S. will be ending a basically type of special trade uh, agreement that it used to have with Hong Kong specifically. Europe and Japan added to stimulus. The European Union and Japan took steps Wednesday to spend more money propping up their economies. The move was the latest signs that other nations are 
pursuing more aggressive and so far effective stimulus measures than the United States has. Jonathan Rockwell, the principal economist at Gallup, published an updated data on Wednesday that compared changes in unemployment across countries. Those with similar increases have typically subsidized companies to keep workers on the payroll during the pandemic, Rothwell said. The the European proposal had all the hallmarks of a historic uh, moment for the EU. The Times' Manta Stevens Grindiff wrote, pushing it closer to become a central government. The market stock rose yesterday and the S&P 500 is now more than 35% above its March low. Nearly two dozen states led by California sued the Trump administration over its reversal of fuel efficiency standards, arguing that the move was based on erroneous science. And General Electric is selling its light bulb business which defined the company for nearly a century. So let's go into a debatable topic, courtesy of the New York Times. I'm going to read it in its entirety because I thought it was very good by Spencer Bucott-Lindell. Six years ago this August, Michael Brown, a black 18-year-old who had just graduated from high school, was shot and killed by police officers in Ferguson, Missouri. His death, along with so many others, set off a national debate about how to reduce police violence. But the deaths of George Floyd in Minneapolis this week and Breonna Taylor in March are a painful reminder of just how little has changed. While there has been so little progress and what needs to happen for these numbers to go down, here's what people are saying. Some common sense solutions don't work. Many proposed solutions to curb police violence have not proved effective, according to Samuel Singwa, a data scientist and policy analyst at Campaign Zero. After the uproar over Brown's killing, Hope mounted a technology could fix a broken system, wouldn't requiring officers to wear cameras enable more accountability. But by 2015, 90% of large police departments reported they were using body cameras or had committed to doing so soon. But research has shown that they have almost no effect on officer behavior. Some common strategies for reducing racial biases also seem to work. In the United States, black people are three times as likely to be killed by the police than white people. Some criminal justice reform groups have argued that diversifying the police forces might also close that gap. But Jennifer Cobana, a professor of criminal justice at Michigan State University, has found that it probably doesn't work. The police force in Baltimore, for example, is most likely made up of officers of color, but the department, but the department was still found in 2016 to have engaged in a pattern of unconstitutional racial bias policing. The jury on whether implicit bias training works is still out. As Jack Glacier, a Berkeley psychologist who researches racial stereotyping told Scientific America, you can raise people's awareness about the possibility that implicit bias exists and affect them, but that does not do the same thing as stopping it from influencing their judgment. What policies could work? Although the number of police killings have, has fallen significantly on a national level since 2013, things have improved in some parts of the country, especially in cities. How did they do it? In particular, tighter restrictions on when and how police officers can use force. Putting someone in a chokehold, for example, or shooting at someone on moving vehicles appeared to substantially reduce killings. 
after making such reforms in 2016, the San Francisco Police Department saw a 30% decline in the use of force by 2019, and as of last May, had gone more than a year without a single officer shooting. Equipping officers to recognize and handle cases involve mental illness and other front for reform. The San Antonio police have received national attention for developing their own mental health unit, and every officer is required to complete 40 hours of training and crisis intervention, far more than the national average of six. Criminal justice scholars have also called for an end of the Pentagon's practice of donating military equipment to law enforcement agencies, which research suggests leads to more violence against officers and higher numbers of fatal shootings by the police. In 2015, the Obama administration restricted the distribution of tanks, grenade launchers, and weaponized aircraft, but the Trump administration reversed the decision in 2017. Even so, there have been local measures to demilitarize the police force, most notably in Montana. American police departments could also take some cues from their counterparts in other countries. The former Burlington VT police chief, Brandon Del Pose, has argued in the Times, American police officers fatally shoot about three people per day, which come close to the yearly totals of other wealthy nations. Much of that discrepancy may have to do with the unique privileges of guns in the United States. Where there's a lot of civilians that own guns, fatal police shootings happen more often, according to David Hemingway, a professor at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Del Pazzo said that an extraordinarily number of guns in the United States make it impossible for officers here to go unarmed, as they do in Britain and in Iceland, but he contended that officers could use their guns less. In Canada, for example, the police are armed, but per capita rate of the police shooting is one-seventh of the American rate, which some credit to police training programs prioritize de-escalation over confrontation. Training officers to act as if their weapons are insurance policies rather than persuasive devices will transform the nation's police work, Del Pozo wrote. Every American will be made safer by police officers whose first instinct is to communicate with the people they encounter and whose success lies in getting the psychology of persuasion right. Rethinking the role of the police. To understand why American police is so fraught, you must first have to understand the history, according to Connie Hassett-Walker, a professor of criminal justice at Kent University in New Jersey. In the South, policing involved from slave patrols. White vigilantes who enforced slavery laws in the North emerged as a way to control the dangerous underclass that included African Americans, Native Americans, immigrants, and the poor. Policing institutional racism and decades and centuries ago still matters because policing culture has not changed as much as it could. She writes in the conversation, the roots of racism in American policing first planted centuries ago have not yet been fully purged. But what would pulling out those roots really look like? For some, the answer is simple, a matter of marshalling enough political will to make ambitious reform, renegotiating police union contracts to bolster accountability, initiate engaging with a truth and reconciliation process through which the country can come to terms with its history of abusive policing, even potentially hiring more police officers. We can live in America 
where the police do not kill people. Campaign Zero says police in England, Germany, Australia, Japan, and even cities like Buffalo, New York, and Richmond, California demonstrate that public safety can be ensured without killing civilians. But a growing number of people that the American practice of policing cannot be rescued from its origins, system of oppressions like slavery, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration, but be reduced or abolished. Not not reimagined, right? Decra Purnell and Marbra Stanley Butts in the time. Police officers who primarily put people in cages are the enforcers of mass incorporation. We must reckon with the reality that these police are part of the problem and stop investigating money, power, and legitimacy into them. Josie Duffy Rice, the president of the Time Appeal, said that in a tweet along with this, many people in America already exist in a world where police and prisons do not exist. Go to any middle upper class suburb in America. Carps aren't wandering the streets. People aren't being arrested. Neighborhoods aren't being sent to prison. And generally everyone is fine. And many people say they cannot imagine this world. What most of them cannot imagine is someone not policing black and brown and poor people. That is what is unimaginable to them. Not the absence of law enforcement. If you are lucky, you already functionally have a life with that absence in tweet now the tensions between those who want to see american policing reform and those who want to see it revitalized or eliminated may become more pronounced amid the protests occurring in minneapolis but what the two camps share is a conviction that america needs to rethink their relationship to policing and their instinct to default to a punishment as a response to all manner of social ills. There are some problems like homelessness or a pandemic or a man asking you to put your dog on a leash in Central Park that law enforcement can not solve. Tonight was a show virtually on one topic because it was near and dear to my heart. I am going to get into a bit of headlines but I just want you guys to always be abreast of what is going on when it comes to this constant thing that we seem to have to go through every few weeks with the police and not just people of color, but it seems like a reaction to go to the most extreme levels of force too many times. I have some show questions that I will be answering on the show in the morning. I'm going to do a show in the morning versus doing it in the afternoon because I will be interviewing a very good blogger therapist um, by the name of Montrez Lucas coming up on Sunday, so we will be posting that. If you want to listen to that interview in its entirety, you can tune in for it on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Um, and I will be answering some questions on tomorrow morning, like I said, and hopefully talking about uh, something else 
Hopefully there are no more burnings tonight in Minneapolis. Anyway, if you would like to support the show, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com slash Jerome McLean show. That's www.patreon.com slash Jerome McLean show. The show is listened to, or you can get access to the show on everything from iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Denzer, and many, many other places where you get your podcast needs. Thank you for tuning in today and see you on the next show.